into Genesis chapter 30. This morning we're continuing our Genesis sermon series, Patriarchs and Promises. Um, we're looking at our third patriarch of the faith now, Jacob. And over the past two weeks, we have looked at his dysfunctional family, haven't we? Um, over a 14-year period, while in Haran, Jacob would marry four women. Okay, we know that God never approved of that, um, never um, uh, said that that was his intended plan, but, but, but we know that, that even with these marriages, God would use them um, and create a nation from them. Jacob would have 11 sons over that 14-year period and one daughter. He gained a father-in-law that was ruthless, deceptive, manipulative, and I think it's best to say that he was a con man, wasn't he? You have heard the term, the school of hard knocks. That is the school that Jacob has been a part of now for a better part of 14 years. If you remember, Jacob went to Iran to begin with for two reasons. Number one, to find a wife. He found four of them. And also to avoid um, being killed by his brother Esau. He was on the run. But God had a plan for him all along the way. Notice how our story begins this morning. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 25, we read, As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go from you, know the service that I have given you. After the birth of Joseph, Jacob knew it was time for him to return with his family to the promised land. He also knew that he had a ruthless father-in-law that would not let him leave without a fight. Remember, up until this point, Jacob had made Laban a very, very rich man. But within our passage this morning, we know that, that Jacob was not rich, but God would turn Laban's riches into his riches. And as God had promised Jacob, Jacob would become a blessed man. And we know he became that blessed man while he was in Haran. He has four wives and 12 children, and now he is ready to return home as the Lord has directed. So notice the new deal that Laban makes with Jacob. Beginning of verse 27 and 28, we read, But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. As we have come to know, Laban was not a believer, was he? Man, he was a lost man. We know that because of how he, he, he conducted his family business as well as how he treated um, Jacob. He had a great employee in Jacob, but he treated him poorly. We could probably say that Jacob lived paycheck to paycheck. He must have had enough to get by, but not enough to ensure a good future for his family. Laban prom promised Jacob much, but he would go back on his word time and time again. Look with me at Genesis chapter 31 verse 7. Jacob um, has called his wives together and he's speaking to them at this point and he says, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. I mean, think about it. He changed his wages. He didn't change them for the good. You can be certain of that, did he? Some of you in this room are business owners. I hope and pray that you as a believer treat your employees better than Laban treated 
His. You remember um, in the movie Christmas Vacation? Some of you have seen that. Others of you may not have. But, but, but Clark thinks that he is getting this huge Christmas bonus. And he begins to dream about that bonus. You remember what Clark wants to build? He wants to build him a giant swimming pool in his backyard. And he, he dreams all through Christmas of this giant, Christmas, or this giant swimming pool that he's going to build. Well, he finally gets that Christmas bonus. He opens it up, and instead of there being a big fat check, you remember what was in it? A Jelly of the Club Month membership. Now, if you're expecting thousands of dollars and you get a Jelly of the Club membership instead, you're probably not going to be a very happy man. And we know Clark wasn't, and we can be certain that Jacob was not a happy man because of the way that he was being treated by his father-in-law. Laban did Jacob wrong. Even though he knew that God was blessing him because of Jacob, he still treated him as a slave. Folks, treat your employees well and pay them fairly and pay them what they are worth. That's what we can gain from, um, from this passage of Scripture this morning. Laban recognized that God had blessed Jacob. In verses 27, the latter part in 28, we read, The Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. I'm not sure if this is the first time that Laban acknowledged his success was directly linked to Jacob and Jacob's God, but we see here that that he does make that admission, and we're going to see that because of that, Laban does not want to let Jacob go at all. And so these two are going to enter into a new agreement that's going to last for about six years. So read with me Genesis 30, verses 29 through 33, we read, Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now when I shall provide for my own household also, he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, me, I will again pass through your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come to look into my wages with you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted as stolen. You know, no, I know nothing about sheep and goats. But from my observation, I know that most sheep are white and most goats are either black or brown. They are not spotted and they're not striped. At least the majority of them are not. But what Jacob does is he offers Laban a deal that Laban just could not refuse. He tells him that he will take all of the spotted and striped amongst, amongst the sheep, the lambs, and and the goats, and he would give Laban the rest. I'm sure that when Laban hears those words, he thinks that Jacob is out of his mind. He probably sticks out his hand and says, let's shake on it right here and now. And that's exactly what they do. These two come to an agreement. And we see that this is a deal that Laban couldn't refuse. Continue reading with me in verse 34. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats and 
that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days, which was about a 60-mile um, distance um, journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Do you see what Laban did here? Man, he took the very animals that he had promised and agreed with Jacob to have, and he takes them for himself, and he sends them away with his son on a three-day's journey. If you and I were to read this story without knowing what happened next, we would assume that Laban got richer and Jacob continued to live paycheck to paycheck. But we know that's not the case. And, and our second point this morning is this. Jacob becomes prosperous as God had promised him. Continue reading with me in verses 37 through 43. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plant plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the six that had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink, and said they bred when they came to drink. The flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so that the flocks brought forth stripes, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the stripe and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flocks. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. When I read this story, man, I just kind of lump it in with those old wives' tales that people adamantly say work and, and they say that this is proven to be true because it worked for them. You know what I'm talking about? Um, are you familiar with some of these wives' tell? If you go outside with wet hair, you'll catch a cold. Were you ever told that growing up, or did you ever tell your kids that? Okay, we know that's not true, right? We catch a cold because we get a virus, right? Not because our head is wet. Uh, how about this? Cracking your knuckles causes arthritis. I was told that quite frequently. Wait an hour after eating before swimming. Anybody remember growing up hearing that? Well, that's been proven not to be true. Chocolate causes acne. Um, some of you may have um, um, grew up hearing that. If you pull out a gray hair, three will pop up in its place. Some of you are like, that's true. Um, in fact, I was talking to Danny about some of these wives' tales last night, and she came across one that said you pull out one gray hair and ten will grow up back in its place. Eating carrots will improve your eyesight. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Coffee stunts your growth. If that was true, I'd be about five foot nothing. Um, it takes, <laughs> well, I'm not, that's not a knock on you, Shasta. It takes seven years to digest a piece of gum. I know we've all heard that. And then this was one that my mom used to tell me. If you swallow a watermelon seed, watermelons will grow out your ears. Yeah, some of you have heard that as too. You know, throwing a bunch of whittled and peeled sticks on the ground and thinking you're going to get spotted and striped sheep and goats, to me, that's a wives' tale. Well, even though it appears to us that Jacob was out of his mind, 
We need to understand that Jacob, what he was doing is he was depending upon God. He was obeying God and doing exactly as God had instructed him to do. In Genesis chapter 31, verses 6 and 11, again, Jacob calls, um, or or, or Jacob has um, a vision um, from the Lord here. We read, you know that I have certain... First of all, he calls his wives together and he tells them this. "Um, You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flocks were striped, spotted, and molted. Are molded. Um, then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flocks are striped, spotted, and, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Jacob knew that his prosperity was directly linked to God. I love how he listened to the Lord and obeyed the Lord and witnessed God blessing him and his family. It literally unfolded before his very eyes. I think we can learn a lot from Jacob's faithfulness here. Jacob did many things wrong and would continue to do many things wrong. Okay, I think all of us can say that we've made a few mistakes in our past and we're probably going to make some mistakes in our future, but hopefully we learn from both of those. But what we know here is Jacob got this right. He obeyed the Lord and did as the Lord instructed him. As odd as this plan is to us when we read this story thinking there's no way that this could possibly work, it, um, it not only proves to us God's God blesses our faithfulness, but as I was studying and preparing for this message, I came across this statement by Troy Lacey um, with answers in Genesis that speaks. He spoke to this strange practice that Jacob put into motion here. He said, first, remember that this worked because because God blessed it. I mean, that's the first thing to remember. This worked because God blessed it. But these particular branches and limbs that, that, that Jacob actually put down on the ground, these have proven to be beneficial to those animals. They, they, when they eat them, they act like vitamins. So what Jacob was doing is he's putting out all these limbs and those, those sheep and goats, they were eating it and they were getting stronger because they were getting the vitamins and the nutrients, nutrients that they needed. And regarding the color of those sheep, genetics had everything to do with what was going on here. Jacob recognized this and used his understanding of genetics, even though it was thousands of years ago, he used that to his advantage. Although many people believe, people have discredited this story as being untrue, we need to remember that everything in the Word of God is true and has been given to us for our benefit, right? God's Word makes us spiritually stronger. According to 2 Timothy, we, we know that God's Word makes us, it, it is profitable for teaching. It has been given to us for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And God's Word equips us for every good work. In Hebrews 4.12, we're told that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word makes us stronger, and it makes us better men and women, and certainly makes us into better disciples of the Lord. 
In verse 43, we read that Jacob prospered in every way. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Jacob not only has the wealth of a family, but now he has the promised wealth of God in, 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 in the, the sheep and the lambs and the goats and the, and the donkeys and the camels. And we know in Genesis 28, 13 through 15 that God promised him much, promised to make him into a great nation and to increase his wealth abundantly. God has blessed him in every way, and now that the Lord has instructed him, now the Lord instructs him to load up his family, return to the land of promise. Notice our third point this morning is this. Jacob prepares to flee Laban with his family. In verses 1 through 3 of Genesis chapter 31, we read, Now Jacob heard that his, the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. You know, instead of the Lord blessing Laban through Jacob, the Lord now has blessed Jacob. And Laban's boys are not happy about it, and we know that Laban is not happy either. In the midst of this hostility, the Lord appears to Jacob and says, The time is now. It's time for you to go home. Have you ever been at a place of employment or at a particular point in life and realized it's time to leave? You ever been there? Maybe it was time to retire. Maybe it was time to change professions. Maybe it was time to take your gifts where they would be appreciated at a different place of employment. Maybe it was time to leave one city in order to be close to your parents or to your kids or maybe even to your grandkids. Maybe it was time to leave because of poor ethical practices that were happening at your place of employment. I remember at my last church, before coming here to be your pastor, the time had come for me to step away from that church. I'd called that church home for 30 years. 18 of those years, I served either as the youth pastor or as the missions pastor. And because of what I saw going on, I knew that I could no longer stay there. So on two different occasions, I went into the pastor and I told him that I was resigning and actually submitted my letter of resignation. Both times I was asked to pray about it before, before stepping away. And because of the circumstances around my leaving involved what was going on here at Friendship at the time, I knew that, that, that I needed to stay and see how God was going to play everything out. And I know that God's hand was in my going to that church, and I know that God's hand was in my leaving to come here as well. And I think we've all been there in our lives where we've seen God's hand all over the decisions that we have made. Next, we see that Jacob pleads his case with his wives. Again, um, let's look beginning in verse 4. So Jacob said, or Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. And said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the stripes shall be your wages, then all the flock bore stripes. 
Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flocks are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land of your kindred. Do you see what the Lord did here? He takes Jacob back to Bethel. He takes Jacob back to the place of his salvation and to that place where he encountered the Lord for the very first time. You know, sometimes we need a spiritual pick-me-up from the Lord, don't we? We need an encounter with the Lord like Jacob had right here. Sometimes that involves the Lord taking us back to our the moment of our salvation to remind us of his faithfulness, or maybe it's him taking us back to a particular time in our faith journey with him, and he reminds us of his faithfulness. And that's exactly what the Lord does with Jacob here. And you can be certain that Jacob with this encounter from the Lord, um, was, was a changed man because of it. You know, when, when we read this passage of Scripture, I don't know if you notice this or not, but one thing that Jacob does whenever he addresses his father-in-law with his wives is he says, your father. You know, most of the time up until this point, we see him refer to um, his father-in-law as Laban. But now he refers to him as your father. You ever notice that when your kids do something wrong, you address them to your spouse, not at, to them by name, but usually as your kid did this or your kid did that or you need to go take care of your kid. I'm sure that whenever Jacob addresses his father-in-law by your father with his wives, his wives probably took notice that, hey, there's something going on here, and, and it's not a good thing. These ladies' father had not only done Jacob wrong, but he had done them wrong as well. And all of them had had enough, and they all recognized that the Lord was calling them away from their father, from the place that they called home, to Jacob's home, to the land of promise. What we see next is a truce between these sisters. In verses 14 through 16, we read, Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us. He has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. Over the past two Genesis studies, we've looked at... Um, at, at Jacob being tricked into marrying Leah. And then we saw last week the bride wars that occurred between Jacob and Leah and Rachel and the two servants that became his wives as well. Both of these ladies have been at each other's throat probably for the better part of 14 or so years. Now both of them come together and they make a truce and in agreement, they submit to the leadership of the Lord and to their husband and agree that wherever the Lord leads, that is where they are going to go. 
You know, in this story this morning, even though things may not make sense to us all the time, we need to remember that God is sovereignly working out his plan. Jacob didn't know what he was getting into whenever he went to Iran to begin with. Jacob, we know, has been a part of the school of hard knocks for 20 years. He is not the only one that has been a part of the school of hard knocks. How many of you have ever experienced the school of hard knocks in your own life? All of us probably to an extent have. Jacob and the Israelites will, will, will still have to wait hundreds of years before the land of promise is finally theirs for their possessions. The Israelites would spend 400 years in slavery in Egypt. Moses, think about Moses, man. Moses would live to be 120 years. First 40 years was, was spent being educated in the home of Pharaoh. The next 40 years would be spent in the wilderness, shepherding and learning the land. He was in the school of hard knocks there. The final 40 years, he would be leading the Israelites before the gates of the promised land. God took those hard years in his life and prepared him for the final years in his life. You know, you may think this morning, I'm too old for God to use me. I want you to know this morning, if there's still breath inside of you, if you're still inhaling and exhaling, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. God can still use you. He can use you at the front end of your life, in the middle part of your life, or at the bookend of your life as well. Let God use you to change the course of your family, to change the course of, of your own life as well as the lives of others. You know, we can study in God's Word example after example of individuals that spent time in the wilderness or spent time in the school of hard knocks before they experienced the promises of God. All of us have been there. If we haven't, we'll probably spend some time there. Jacob was done wrong, but even though he was done wrong, God still blessed him and used him and blessed his family. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what decision you might need to make this morning. You may be struggling at school or at work or at home or with a family member. Know that God can take you where you're at and bless you and use you. You may be here this morning. You don't have a relationship with the Lord. If you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. I want to invite you this morning to come and make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And again, if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Father God, we come before you this morning. Lord Jesus, just thanking you, Father, just for the faithfulness of the men and women that we find in your word. We thank you for men like Jacob. Father, we know that Jacob did many things wrong, but we also know that he got many things right. All of us in this room have done many things wrong, but we've also got many things right. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we leave from here this morning, as we go to our growth group hour, Lord, I pray, Father God, that you will, Lord Jesus, just speak to us during that hour. Father, just help us to be transformed by your word. Help us to be changed by your word. Father, I pray this morning if there's someone in this place that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that today they'll make the greatest decision that they could ever make, and that is to confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart, Father God, that you raised Jesus 
from death to life. Father, I pray that if there's someone that hasn't ever acknowledged that, never repented of their sins, that today will be the day of their salvation. Father, move now. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.